0: Okay, so welcome everyone. We are going to take a quick detour from our study of John. Uh, Chuck is away today, and um, I was told that I would be doing the, the lesson this morning a week ago. So instead of learning new material, I've been studying through the book of Ruth, and I've learned some wonderful things in that book, so I want to basically take us through the book of Ruth today. I'm not sure how far we'll get. We'll, we'll go as far as we can. Um, We have a mixed group here. Some of you may have read the book of Ruth several times. I anticipate some have never read the book of Ruth. And so I think there'll be um, hopefully treasures and um, blessings for everybody, uh, no matter what your background. So why don't we start uh, over in Judges, chapter 2. The book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. It's smack dab between um, the time of Joshua leading Israel into the promised land. And during that time, there was these wonderful and amazing victories. Um, God's people were very devoted to him. And um, God worked wonderful miracles to deliver his people into the promised land. Um, Some of you may have heard of the the Battle of Jericho. So that was an example of this great battle the people of Israel marched around the city for seven days. They blew the trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down, and um, God gave that city over to his people. Um, but wonderful victories. And then we have that time, and then we have the period of the judges, which is the period in which Ruth, the book of Ruth has been written. And then after that, we have the time of the kings. So that would be the King David. Um, and then, unfortunately, when God's people went astray, and the divided kingdom where God's people left God and God left them. And they were led into captivity. So Judges is this time right between kind of this really victorious time and a pretty horrible time. And uh, it's a time when people are... Well, let's, let's read about it here in verse 6. You'll see here, this is a very tragic scripture. And you'll see the downfall of, of the people, of God's people. And in verse chapter 2 and verse 6, this is where... Joshua has just sent people into the promised land it reads and when Joshua had dismissed the people each man went to his inheritance to take possession of his land so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who saw every great deed the Lord did for Israel now Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died at 110 years old and then buried and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Harris on Mount Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gosh, And when all that generation were laid with their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work he had done for Israel. So this is what happened to the people, that a generation that had seen the victories with Joshua, Joshua and the elders that had led with them, when they died off, it was the next generation that came in that forgot God, forgot the great works, and that led to their demise and decline. So this is the setting in which the story of Ruth appears during this time of Judges. And Ruth is just this really wonderful story and it really, while the book is aptly named, Ruth is, is really the heroine. And we're going to talk about Ruth and all her amazing qualities and her courage and the things she did. But she has a wonderful supporting cast um, of Naomi and Boaz, who I think were equal. I think the book could have been named Boaz or perhaps Naomi because of their character and and the things we can learn from them. So we're going to read through the book of Ruth. And we're going to break it down in a couple sections, and again, we'll see how far we get. So let's turn over to Ruth. It's actually four chapters long, so it's a little bit more reading, but it's a very exciting story. And we'll read chapters one and two. And I'm reading from a translation based on the Septuagint, so... Um, It's close, but a little bit different than perhaps the ESV or NIV or maybe some of the translations other people are reading. Chapter 1. In the days of the judges, there was a famine in the land, and a man went from Bethlehem to Judah to sojourn in the country of Moab and his wife and his sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, And the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion, Ephrathites from Bethlehem of Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left there with her two sons. They took for themselves wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she, Naomi, arose with her two daughters-in-law and returned from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord was watching over his people by giving them bread. Therefore she and her two daughters-in-law left the place where she was and returned to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to your mother's house. May the Lord have mercy on you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then Naomi kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, We will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why do you desire to go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. For I say, if I married and should bear a son, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out from within me. Then they lifted up their voices and again wept, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and returned to her people. But Ruth followed her. And Naomi said to Ruth, Look, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not ask me to leave you or turn back from from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord cause this to happen to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she ended her conversation with her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and the whole city shouted because of them and said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me bitter, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has humbled me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite woman returned with her, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest." There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabite woman said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose eyes I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, daughter. Then Ruth left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the family of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant, who was in charge of the reapers, answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Let me glean and gather my handfuls after the reapers. So she came and continued from morning until evening, not stopping to rest in the field, not even a little. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Did you not hear, daughter? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that my men reap and follow after them. Behold, I have commanded the young men not to touch you, And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men draw. So she fell on her face, bowed down on the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me, all that you have done with your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know yesterday or the day before. May the Lord repay your work, and may a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. And then Ruth said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and have spoken to the heart of your maidservant. Behold, I will be like one of your bondswomen. Now Boaz said to her, It is already time to eat. Come here. And eat of the bread, and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So Ruth sat beside the reapers, and Boaz made a pile of grain for her. And she ate, and was satisfied, and kept some back. And she rose up to glean, and Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean, even among the sheaves, and do not bring shame upon her. When you carry sheaves, carry them for her also. And when you throw them on the piles, throw them for her also. And let her gather from what has piled up, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat with a rod what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So Ruth brought forth and gave to her, Naomi, what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law where she had worked and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed is he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth said to her mother-in-law, He also said to me, Stay near by my young men until they finish all my reaping. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, and thus people will not meet you in another field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Okay, we're going to stop there. Okay, so we covered a lot of a story there. i want to summarize the key points. Just go over it quickly what we learned and it's a little confusing there's a lot of names so I want to kind of put it together for you so there's a famine in the land in Judah um, near the town of Bethlehem where Naomi um, is from and Naomi is married to a guy named Elimelech okay so Naomi and Elimelech are married and Elimelech has this great idea that um, we should get out of here because there's a famine. And he takes um, Naomi and, his, and his two so, their two sons, Malan and Chilion, to Moab, um, a foreign land which is just east of Judah, around the, the sea. And so they go over, they leave Judah, they go to Moab, and there Elimelech dies. So Naomi becomes a widow, but she has two sons, and then they both marry these two Moabite women, And then both sons die. So Ruth is left with Orpah and Ruth, I'm sorry, Naomi is left with Ruth and Orpah, her two daughters-in-law, and they're there for 10 years. Finally, after 10 years, Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem, go back to Judah, where she had come from, um, because she heard that God was providing for his people there. So... The daughters-in-law escort Ruth back. Consider that she's probably an older woman; she needs some help. So they take her back, and they're getting pretty close. And at this point, she thanks them, thanks so much for escorting me back. It's time now for you to go back to Moab, back to your families, and back to your gods. And so, they were clearly very close. The daughters-in-law; they're weeping. It's a very tearful goodbye. Um, they said, you know what, why don't we come with you? Why don't we come back and just be with you in Judah? And Ruth says, no way. Forget it. You, 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 I can't provide you more sons out of my body. Um, even if I could, you wouldn't want to wait for them to grow up to marry the sons that I would bear. Go back and find new husbands and start your life back with your families. She tells them to go back. So there's this tearful parting. Orpah kisses her mother-in-law goodbye and goes back to Moab. But Ruth has a different idea. And this is a very, very famous passage. Um, Let me just reread this. This is in chapter 1, verse 16. Ruth proclaims to Naomi, Do not ask me to leave you or turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord cause this to happen to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you from me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she ended her conversation with her. So I think Ruth had a strong character. Um, Naomi said, there's no talking this, this woman out of this. And so um, they both proceed to go back to Bethlehem. Now they, they come into the city, and there's this real stir. People haven't seen Naomi for 10 years. Is this Naomi... And they, she's also got this Moabite, young Moabite woman with her, her daughter-in-law. So they're quite excited about that. And then they get to work. They have no property. They're, they're impoverished. And so Ruth goes out and starts looking for work. She finds a wealthy and righteous relative. His name is Boaz. And uh, Boaz is, is harvesting um, the barley, the wheat. And he has... Uh, he's a rich man, but also a righteous man. And he has reapers, which harvest the wheat, but he also allows gleaners. So the gleaners come behind the reapers. So when, you, when, you, you know, when you're reaping, when you're picking pr- produce or wheat, um, you're trying to get as much as you can, um, but you, le- you leave some behind just out of efficiency. And the gleaners would come up behind and pick up the, the crumbs, if you will. And he'd let the poor women and um, to glean. So Ruth... Jumped in as a gleaner. She works all day without a break, um, takes no breaks. She catches Boaz's attention. He asks about her story. Um, someone had learned that Ruth, um, the story about Ruth, being faithful to her mother-in-law. Boaz is very impressed. He offers Ruth protection. He says, "You should stay in my fields with my young women. Uh, my young women, my young men will not harm you. So we'll protect you." And um, he rewards her with lots of food. Um, helps her have lots of, lots of grain. And so Ruth returns to Naomi at the end of the very, this very long work day with all this grain. Naomi is overwhelmed with joy and gratitude to God and tells Ruth to stay close to the young women and to Boaz. Okay, so that's, that's a summary of what we've read so far. And I want to focus now on Naomi's character and what we can learn about Naomi and um, let's, let's think about her for a little bit. So it's hard, I think, when we know a story, we read a story, even the, this, the short portion we just read, we already know that things got pretty good, <laughs> okay? But if you go back, and let's try to put ourselves in Naomi's shoes, okay? Let's go all the way back to the famine in Judah when her husband leads her to Moab, Okay? Let's talk about that. Now, how good of an idea is that? That Elimek would take his wife and his two sons to Moab. Well, well, just a little history on Moab. Moab, this country, was actually an enemy of Israel. In fact, in Deuteronomy 23, um, the law instructs that no Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord Because they, the Moabites, did not meet with you, Israel, with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. There's this long history of of conflict um, between Moab and Israel. If you remember the story of Balak, he was hired by the king, I'm sorry, he was the king of Moab. He hired Balaam to curse Israel. And then... Um, Balaam seduced Israel with the Moabite women to lead them astray from God. And this was back in Numbers 22 to 25. Interestingly, in Deuteronomy 7, there's a prohibition against Israel taking foreign wives of the different nations. Moab was not one of those. So you weren't prohibited from taking a Moabite woman, but it was Moabite, Israel was very, because of their history, we were very wary of how Moab, the people from Moab could lead their people astray. So, Go back to Limelech, departing Judah to go to this country. How good of an idea was that? Perhaps he was desperate for food, for survival. But what about the great deliverance of Egypt of Israel out of Egypt? What about the, the providing Israel God's people with manna, manna for forty years in the desert? What about the great victories of Jericho and the promises of God that he would provide for his people if they were faithful to him? With all this, does going to Moab make the right choice? I think when we get into desperate times and challenging times, we have to consider where we're going. Are we going to a foreign land? Are we going to foreign gods? Are we staying faithful with God and staying faithful to his promises? I don't want to read into Limlech's heart. I don't know all that happened there. It seems a bit strange that he would lead his family there. Naomi's response, though, ten years later. Let's look at her response in perhaps an even more desperate time. Now there's a famine in Moab, and she's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons-in-law, sons. Now remember, sons were basically your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were going to be providing for her and taking care of her. And they're gone. So she has no husband, no sons. She is financially destitute. Her family line is over. No children. She owns nothing. It appears she's hungry. And she's been away for 10 years. This is pretty dark and bleak. And what I appreciated by Naomi and one of the lessons I learned from her was how she dealt with this bleak situation. And the first part, and I think she had kind of two ways she dealt with it. One was she was extremely honest about her situation. Let's go over to Ruth 1 and verse 19. Let me read that. When she comes back to Bethlehem and she's greeted, is this not Naomi? And Naomi means my joy, my bliss, my pleasant, the pleasantness of Jehovah. So her name meant she's joy. It meant um, pleasantness, that God had been um, pleasant to her. She had a pleasant life, a joyful life, and perhaps she had in the past. But this is what her response was in verse 19 when they say, Is this not Naomi? Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and the whole city shouted because of them and said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home empty again. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has humbled me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So, some translations might say, call me Mora, which means bitter. And what she's saying is that I had a really pleasant life, but now it's bitter. God's dealt bitter with me. He's taken away. He's humbled me. He's afflicted me. And um, she doesn't sugarcoat it. This is a really bad situation, she's in. This is not like, oh, I'm so happy. God is just so awesome to me. My whole life is blessed. No, this is really bad. And she's in a desperate situation. And she acknowledges it. However, Naomi has this incredible faith and trust in God. Let's look back at Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. She's in Moab. It says, Then she arose with her two daughters-in-law and returned from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord was watching over his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she and her two daughters-in-law left the place where she was and returned to the land of Judah. So this is the God that had allowed her husband to die and her two sons to die. But she hears that God is providing for his people and she trusts that and she departs because of that. Look in verse Ruth one verse thirteen. Her daughters are saying, "We'll go with you," and she says, "No, I don't want you to go with me." And look what she says. She says, "No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the lo- hand of the Lord has gone out from within me." She's grieving for their sakes. <laughs> Her heart is, I want you to have families. I want you to be blessed. Like, where's the self-pity? Where's the, come on, girls, that's a great idea. Why don't you come and take care of me? Um, I would love that. Provide for me. That would be a good thing to do. No, she's like, it grieves me that these horrible things, because I want what's best for you. (coughs) It's such a, 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 a selfless position so and instead of saying, come with me, which is what they say they want to do, she says to her beloved daughters-in-law, that's all she has. She's lost her son. She's lost her husband. That's all she has left in life. Instead, she tells them to go back and find comfort in their families and find new husbands. So wonderful, I think, example um, for us of putting others' interests ahead of our own. And I think it's based in her trust in God and I think this is confirmed in Ruth chapter two and verse eighteen. Let's let's read eighteen through twenty. So up to this point, Naomi has put her trust in the very God who has afflicted her. And she's acknowledged that God has afflicted her. And in chapter two and verse eighteen it says. Then she took it up. This is, so this is after um, Ruth has had this wonderful day of work and come back with all this blessing of grain. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Naomi sent her out. She has no idea where she's going. Is this going to be a good day, a bad day? You're kind of waiting for her to come back. how to it go? Did you find anything um, to eat? Did you find any work? In verse 18, then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So Ruth brought forth and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today and where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law where she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed is he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. So, Naomi, Naomi had been so faithful. (laughs) Um, She comes back and and she sees this blessing, and she totally acknowledges that blessed is he is he of the Lord Boaz, that God has not forsaken the Boaz, and the Lord has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. So she recognizes that God is providing for the living, Ruth and Naomi, as well as for her deceased husband and uh, son-in-law. And so there she is; her faithfulness is fully rewarded. God has been faithful and blesses them with food to eat. And of course, Naomi is also being blessed by Ruth's presence with her. So God provides in that way. Naomi, I just think about how bitter she could have been towards God for these difficult situations, but she's not. In desperation, Elimelech seems to appear to have turned away from God to go to a foreign land. Naomi turns back to the Lord, goes back to Judah. In her desperation, to the very God who had afflicted her. And we see this wonderful provision that God provides. So we, we heard a lesson called, Does God Play Favorites? Several weeks ago. And this was the theme, right? That God does play favorites. He will protect and comfort and provide for his people. With that comes the fact that they're typically afflicted and um, go through great challenges of humbling. And this is exactly what happened to Naomi. And I think it's just yet one more example of people we see in scripture. Okay, so let's keep reading. We're going to read the rest of the book. We'll pick up in chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, Daughter, shall I not seek rest for you so that it will be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you are with, Is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go up to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished drinking and eating. Then when he lies down, take notice of the place where he lies. Then you should go in, uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. And Ruth said to her, I will do everything you say. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all her mother-in-law instructed her. And Boaz ate, and his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly and uncovered his feet. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and disturbed, for there was a woman lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? Then she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then Boaz said, Blessed are you of the Lord God, daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all your request, for the whole tribe of my people knows that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I, Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he performs the duty of a kinsman for you, we will let him do it. But if he does not wish to perform the duty for you, then as the Lord lives, I will perform the duty for you. Lie down until morning. So she laid his feet until morning, and she rose before anyone could recognize another. Then Boaz said, Do not let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he said to her, Bring the apron that is around you. And she held it, she measured six ephahs of barley, and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. So when they came, she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then Ruth told her all the man had done for her. And she said to her, He gave me these six ephahs of barley. For he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then he, she said, Sit still, daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter today. Boaz went up to the gate and sat there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken was passing. So Boaz said to him, Come aside, sir, sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. And Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then Boaz said to the relative, As to the field which was our brother, brother Elimelech's, which was given to Naomi, now returning from the land of Moab, I said I would inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants." And the elders of my people, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I am here. I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, and from Ruth the Moabite woman, the wife of the deceased, you must take her as well, so as to raise up the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the legal custom in former times of Israel concerning redemption. And for a bargain to confirm every word, a man took off his sandal and gave it to his neighbor who redeemed his right. And this was a testimony in Israel. And the close relative said to Boaz, Buy my right of redemption for yourself. So he took off his sandal and gave it to him. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean's and Malan's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, I bought for myself to be my wife, Ruth the Moabite woman, the wife of Malan, to raise up the name of the dead through his inheritance so the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the tribe of his people. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were at the gate said, We are witnesses. And the elders said, May the Lord make the woman... Who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel and wrought mightily of Ephrathah? She, she will have a name in Bethlehem. And out of the seed which the Lord will give you from this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not suffered a redeemer to fail you this day, even to make your name famous in Israel. And he will be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse for him. And the neighbors themselves gave him a name, saying, Of son is born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. This is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amminadab, And Aminadab begot Nishan, and Nishan begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. Okay, we got through the book of Ruth. So let's summarize what happened. Naomi realizes there's more to be done here than just getting some food, okay? And she tells Ruth to wash, anoint herself, put on her best clothes, and go in secret and lay at Boaz's feet at night. And she tells Ruth, he will tell you what you should do, okay? Interesting request. <laughs> And Ruth does exactly what Naomi tells her. So Boaz has this nice meal. His heart becomes cheerful. Perhaps he had a glass of wine or two. He finds his bed in a heap of grain and wakes up in the middle of the night. It says he was, quote, startled and disturbed for there was a woman lying at his feet. Okay? So this would be an interesting scene um, to witness. Um, He wakes up. There's this young woman at his feet. She's anointed. She's in her best clothing. And she's washed. He asks her, Who are you? In her answer, she says, Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. She's basically proposing to him. She's calling upon him to fulfill his duty as a redeemer and to take her under his wing. Boaz recognizes Ruth as a righteous character. She's provided for her mother-in-law. She's not chased after younger men whether rich or poor. And she's offered herself to him, an older man, so that her mother-in-law can, and she can be rescued from their plight, their life situation, brought into his family and continue the line of their deceased husband and and father-in-law. And so he recognized her character. Then he realizes there's a problem, that he's actually not the redeemer. He's not the one that can step in to perform this responsibility, there's someone closer to, to him, a closer relative than he. So he sends this Ruth. He sends Ruth home with a bunch of grain, more grain, uh, apparently a sign that he will not rest until he settles the matter. And in fact, that's the case. Boaz then calls all the elders as witnesses. He tracks down this first in line, who is quite pleased about his opportunity to get all this land, until he realizes that if he gets the land, he also gets this new Moabite wife and all that would come with that, and he decides, I'm not interested in that, that might divide my inheritance from my own children, and so he takes off his sandal, and they seal the deal, he gives Boaz the right to redeem the land, and to rescue Naomi and Ruth, and then the elders bless Boaz, and they say, may the Lord make the woman who is coming to your house, like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel, she will have a name in Bethlehem and out of her seed which the Lord will give you from this young woman may your house be like the house of Perez which Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz takes Ruth as his wife They give birth to a son whose name is Obed who is the grandfather of King David who eventually from which the line of Jesus um, would come. So that's the story. Okay. So let's now turn to Boaz. I think there's some just wonderful things we can learn from Boaz this man who plays a very prominent role in the story let's turn over to Deuteronomy 24 in verse 19 in the law the Jews were commanded the following chapter 24 verse 19 If you should reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the poor and the resident alien and the fatherless and the widow. That the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands. If you pick olives, you shall not go back to glean what you left behind you. It shall be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. And remember, you were a servant in Egypt." Therefore, I command you to do this. Now, if you should gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow. So remember, you were a servant in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do the same thing. So, the Jews were commanded to not pick all your crops. You should allow some to be left behind so that the widow, the orphan, the poor, the foreigner in, the, in this land would have something to eat, that they could come and glean and eat. And, and why does it say it? He says, well, the reason was because you were foreigners in Egypt. You were living in a land that was not your own. And I provided for you. Now, that was a pretty harsh situation, but God provided and, and delivered them as well. And so that's in the law. So Boaz is just living this out. He's allowing the widows. I mean, think about it. Ruth is a widow. She's a foreigner and she's poor. She's all of those. And and Boaz's heart is to put this into practice. And remember the context. This is a time when all of Israel's judges is kind of drifting away from God. Boaz is not. Boaz is putting into practice the law here to take care of the poor and those in need. I appreciate his obedience, but really it's his love and action. He's living out his faith. Our faith is not just what we believe in our heads. It's what we do with our lives and how we take care of each other. We could spend a whole lesson on what Jesus taught about taking care of those in need and his example, but we see it in Jesus' life. We see it all throughout the scriptures. There's a gentleman in my neighborhood, our neighborhood. He's, boy, maybe he's 80 years old. And he comes through, and he picks up the cans um, from our recycling bins. And it's a very humbling thing, and he smiles. And it, we're in a very kind of—we're not in a rich neighborhood, but in—in in, in terms of the whole world, we're in a nice neighborhood. And he—it's a very, I would say, almost an intimate thing because he—he. He, you realize this could be my father, this could be me. This this we don't know what his life situation is, but he's taking the gleanings, and basically picking stuff out of our trash to support himself. And it's a very humbling thing. And he's so cheerful, he's so humble. And it makes me feel makes me feel humble, it makes me feel grateful, also wanting to help. There's something very powerful about this 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 connecting in real life. It's a very different experience than when I just write out a check to some charity. You know, this is a very intimate connection uh, with somebody. And this was the gleaning that was going on in Boaz's field. The other thing I preached about Boaz was, he seems to be a great boss. (laughs) You know, he walks into his field and he says, The Lord be with you to his workers. (laughs) And they respond, The Lord bless you. And I thought, isn't that awesome? I mean, he wants the Lord to be with his, his employees, if you will, and they want him to be blessed. And I thought, what a wonderful example to be a blessing to the, the people that, that work for you or to be a blessing to the people you work. And I think that's a wonderful example for me as both an employee and a, and a boss. Integrity. I think Boaz has amazing, amazing integrity. I think it shows up in a couple different ways think his purity and personal righteousness think about this this woman who's been cleaned anointed with oil in her best clothes lies down at the foot of his bed in secret total power imbalance he's got all the power and she has none and she and he is just perfectly righteous he looks at says, daughter and they come up with a plan and i think what a wonderful example uh, for us. You know, what do we do when no one's looking? The internet. I'll talk to the men. I'll talk to the women. We do, we have a lot we can access in secret. And yet, the heart of Boaz is he has a, a, a righteousness, a purity, um, a desire to, to, to be righteous and holy that that was not a challenge for him. The other area of his integrity I thought was very impressive was he doesn't take shortcuts. So this whole redeeming thing, it's a little complicated, but there was basically a process you had to go through. There were certain people who could. So once he figured out that he wanted to redeem the land and that he would, was willing to take Ruth as his wife, he recognized that there was a closer kinsman to him. And he said, look, Ruth, if he redeems you, we'll let it be. But if not, I'll do it. And I thought, wow, that's great. Because I think at this point, probably he was pretty excited, perhaps, to marry Ruth. But he realized, I can't do this my way. There's a way this has to be done. And I'm going to trust this to God. And I'm going to go through the process at the risk of losing what I want. And he did. And it worked out wonderfully. It may not have worked that way. But it was. But he was going to take no shortcuts. And he did it right. And he showed tremendous patience and let God play it out the way God would play it out we of course have to talk about Boaz as the redeemer and there's two things going on here in this story there's redemption of land so this is basically the idea you can read about this in Leviticus 25 that um, if a close relative loses land you as a relative can go and purchase it back for them or for their family typically for them so there's a piece of that going on there's another thing going on here it's in Deuteronomy 25 you can read about it and Jesus refers to this in Matthew 22 where if your brother's wife dies and doesn't leave any heirs then you have you have the right to marry her and produce heirs for that family and for your brother so both these things are going on neither of these are requirements or neither are commands the brother the relative has to be willing to do it And we saw that that other redeemer, the first in line, had no desire, once he figured out what he was in for, to do the redeeming. But Boaz did. And in Deuteronomy 7, let me just read this to you. This is the heart of God as it comes to redemption. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. God says to his people, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God chose you to be a people for himself, special above all the nations of the earth. The Lord did not prefer nor choose you, because you are more in number than all the nations. For you are the least of all the nations. But because the Lord loves you, And because he would keep the oath he swore to your fathers, the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Therefore know the Lord, your God, this God is a faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So this is speaking, of course, of Israel being redeemed, being rescued out of Egypt By the hand of God, God redeemed his people, rescued them from slavery and from bondage. And Boaz understands that this is the heart of God to redeem his people. And he recognizes in Ruth, he said, it's been fully reported to me, all that you did for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. This is back in Ruth Mm 2. And he says to Ruth, may the Lord repay your work. And may a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz recognized that Ruth had left her home, left her God, had turned to the one true God, had left her family, had come to take care of Naomi. And he knew the heart of God. He knew that God would provide refuge under God's wings. It was so much Boaz's heart that he himself honored that. He was the refuge that God would provide for Ruth. And Boaz knew that God had honored Ruth's actions. So, Boaz, what a wonderful example of of a protector, of a provider, a rescuer for, for Ruth and Naomi. And I think we have to ask, where do we, where did Boaz get this character? Where, where did this come from? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just meet people who just are different. They have a different spirit and whatever happened in their lives perhaps molded and shaped them to be that. But this guy in a time that's getting to be somewhat bleak is a real example of integrity, of righteousness. And I just want to suggest maybe one influence. We we'll go over to Matthew 1. In Matthew 1, we, we find out the genealogy of Jesus. And I'll just pick up, for the sake of time, I'll pick up in verse 5. He, he starts with Abraham. He goes to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and goes through all these different people. And then in verse 5, he's working down through the line of the people who, who the descendants of Abraham, that, that will eventually lead to the genealogy of Jesus, get to, get to Jesus. And then in verse 5, it says, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David, the king. So, Salmon was Boaz's father, and his mother was Rahab. (laughs) So, Rahab, if you remember, was in the story of Jericho. And she was the prostitute that had basically hidden the the spies because she feared God. She heard about the the God of, of the Israelites and how powerful he was, and she had such faith that he was that she risked her own life to hide the spies and to protect them and then she and her whole family were saved in that in that story when Jericho was destroyed and so can you imagine the the growing up with your mother as Rahab <laughs> can you imagine the the dinner conversations you might have ha- you might have had with her mm-hmm. the stories you might have heard i mean Rahab perhaps was married young here we have her son who was, seems to be, Boaz seems to be elderly at this point. But wonderful, wonderful stories, I'm sure. But a couple things I thought about. Rahab is lifted up. And you can read about her in Hebrews 11. She's lifted up as an example of faith for us, for Christians. But she's held up for her fear of God. Mm-hmm. She feared God and knew God. And I think about Boaz's integrity. You know, integrity is all about what happens when no one's looking, and he had an integrity, I think he had a fear, an honor of one, God's honor above all things. Perhaps he got some of that from Rahab, his mom. And I think about this whole idea. they kept mentioning in Ruth Ruth, the Moabite, Ruth, the Moabite, the Moabite, It's, it's all over. She was a foreigner. Moab was not a, 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 a name that the Israelites would say, "Oh, that's what a great people." But Bo- Boaz had no problem taking in Ruth foreigner. His mom was a prostitute. He knew God loved all people. He didn't God doesn't care what your background is. He doesn't care if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're high society, low society, whatever even that means. God loves everybody. And that was God, that's always been God's heart. And Boaz saw that and knew that perhaps from his mother, who was held up in Hebrews 11 as a model for all Christians today. Um, so you might mention she had been a prostitute. She had been a prostitute. Thank you. She came out of that. That's right. So so that's Boaz. And so in the last five minutes, we're going to talk about Ruth. There's so much to say about Ruth, and I want to just share a few things that I've learned. I learned I'm, I'm inspired by her. The first was clearly, of course, her care and concern and love for her mother-in-law. We see this lived out throughout those pages of this, the short story. And in Exodus, we read that we should. We are commanded to honor your mother and father that it may go well with you, and your days may be long upon the good land the Lord your God is giving to you. In Ephesians 6, we're told by Paul, this is the first command with a promise. Ruth takes it to a whole nother level. She honors her mother-in-law, not just her mother and father, but her in-laws. And I think that's a wonderful example for us. Ruth I'm inspired by her hard work. It says he, she worked all day without a break. She provided for Naomi. This is a woman determined and gave it her all. In fact, when she told Naomi she was going to go with her, said Naomi, "Just stop the conversation." She knew Ruth was going to have her way. <laughs> this woman used her character, her strength for God to accomplish His purposes, and I think that's that's inspiring to me. I'm also inspired by her humility. She was humble with naomi she listened and took instruction she was incredibly humble with boaz she fell to her face make me like one of your bond servants this was her heart she lived that out and then of course her courage incredible courage she again we know the end of the story but ruth left her homeland her family the familiar to follow naomi and naomi's god and the fruit of Naomi's God at that point that she had seen was the death of Naomi's husband and her two sons. But there was something in Naomi. There was a truth, faith in there that she saw and she, this is, that was enough for Ruth. And she left all that she knew to follow and to go with Naomi. I think the courage as well to, to go at night to lay at Boaz's feet. I think that was very courageous, very gutsy and um, was rewarded by God. So to close, what did God do with these three? this little community in Bethlehem, during a time when a lot of Israel was going the wrong way, God brings together the son of a former prostitute, two widows, one of the Moabite, to produce the marriage of Boaz and Ruth, who would produce the line of David and of Jesus. And I think it's well summed up at the end of Ruth in verse 12. When Obed is born, The women, bless Naomi, they say, Blessed be the Lord who has not suffered a redeemer, referring to Obed, to fail you this day, even to make your name famous in Israel. And he will be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons. She has borne him. So, may it be said about us, as men, that we are restorers of life and nourishers of our parents in our old age. May as women, as daughters-in-law, that we are better than seven sons. That's an upward call. Mm -hmm. But of course, we can't help to see Jesus, the ultimate restorer and nourisher of life, the great Redeemer, who would come out of this line of these faithful people during this difficult time. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm